Hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Um, first of all, thank you guys for the feedback on the first episode. Um, it was really good. Uh, it, it sparked a lot of discussion, I guess, and a lot of you guys were actually using the um, the connect thing on the website and were sharing ideas. So um, I actually got a lot of feedback on it, so I was surprised. So, But thank you guys for that, and uh, I might even make an episode with uh, some of your comments about uh, about the episode and what you guys thought about it. So, but this episode is the parasite analysis. Obviously, the movie, as you know by the title, and um, yeah, that movie was incredible. Uh, <laughs> it was recommended to me by one of my friends, Aaron. If you're watching, uh, <laughs> thank you for recommending that because it was one of the best movies I've seen in a while incredibly crafted i have no gripes no uh hardly anything negative to say about it um but this obviously (laughs) this isn't a review of the movie it's more of an analysis of kind of the themes and what kind of i picked out in it so um we'll save that for something else but uh right now i'll just go through my analysis of it Go to the website because it is the newest blog post on there and it might actually be easier to uh, follow along on there. Kind of similar to the last one. This one even more so though because it's kind of, it's got like bullet points of each theme. So as I talk, if you're listening or if you're watching, um, you can go to that and uh, you can follow along kind of with where I'm getting these notes. So, uh i'm just making sure we're still recording here all right so let's get into this analysis go to the website if you want and check that out but um the first theme in this movie that i think was very prevalent was economic disparity leading to the disconnect between and the ignorance toward those of other socioeconomic classes so if you remember in the movie where um the rich the rich okay even before i start this (laughs) spoiler alert i always forget to uh to do that but uh watch the movie if you haven't already watched it if you haven't watched it leave this video immediately or leave this audio immediately when the rich parents are uh or the rich father walks in every day the light over his head malfunctions the mother says and she's eating, oh, is that sensor going batty again? It's not going batty. The poor basement man, uh, the parasite, or the most prevalent parasite in the movie, is actually trying to communicate with him and paying his respects through Morse code. Uh, what I have here is that due to, their, due to the high status and the classy living conditions of the rich family, uh, they believe the light is activated by some automatic motion sensor because... Uh, we're so wealthy, it, it just must be automatic, it must be going batty. But it's really just a failed communication attempt from a member of a lower social class. So it serves to really represent this disconnect between social classes due to economic disparity. So where they think it's just uh, some malfunctioning automatic special light, because of their high class, they can't really see anything else that it could possibly be, um, which obviously it's not really to their fault because who would think (laughs) 
that some dude is in the basement just trying to communicate with you. But even still, it was a cool thing to kind of show this how this economic disparity between social classes leads to some kind of an ignorance uh, for those of other classes. Um, another uh, event where we see this theme clearly displayed is where the rich parents are on the couch uh, kind of keeping an eye on Da's son, the rich son, as he's camping outside in the rain. And uh, the poor family's below the table, hiding. So we kind of already see this disparity kind of visually uh, represented by by uh, Bong Joon-ho, where kind of the rich are up here, uh, and the poor, even though they're just right below you, you can't even perceive them in any way. So I, I put, uh, even right under their noses, they can only smell the stench of the poor rather than understand their situation. So the rich father, he says, what's that smell? Uh, and he talks about how the driver's smell always crosses the line. The, the poor father, his, his smell crosses the line. So even they're, though they're right there, they're right below you. Um, kind of like with the malfunctioning light, even though they're right below you, uh, you can't even... You, you aren't even in the same class. You can't even, um, you can't even be empathetic to their situation in any way. So kind of similarly to this too, the rich mother, when she's in the back of the bends and the poor father's driving her, uh, she can only smell him. She actually covers her nose and she opens the window. Um, she can only smell the stench of the poor driver rather than taking any time to understand what he went through the night before. Um, Obviously, this was the first time she really smelled him, but this is because he smelled, I guess, extra bad that day because the sewage water and all the flooding that he went through the night before as he was driving her, he obviously couldn't shower or whatever, so she can't, she can only smell his stench and whatever makes her feel bad, that's what she perceives. She opens the window, but she can't, she doesn't take the time to ask him or she can't understand that situation in any way, so... I find it kind of interesting because I don't think it's that the director is saying like, oh, uh, you should try to understand the situation or um, or he's saying the rich family, as I mentioned, are at fault for not understanding that there's some guy in the cellar trying to communicate with them. But it's just the idea that there's a disconnect there. And whether they try to do it or they don't or they're at fault or not, something happens as soon as there's this economic uh there's some disparate gap economically between social classes and there's a, it leads to some kind of a disconnect there. And I think that's what uh, Bong Joon-ho is really getting at there. In the same car ride, the rich mother also says uh, that rain was such a blessing. So the rain that made the poor, uh, all the poor in the, semi, in the semi-basement homes get flooded and their livelihood was threatened. Um, it was a blessing to the rich family. They finally bought some rain. So again, this serious disconnect where she's on the phone talking to her rich friend about <clears throat> how great the rain was. Meanwhile, the driver, he's just like, are you serious? Like that rain almost wiped us out. Again, the, the serious disconnect there um, due to economic disparity, leading to this ignorance towards those of other socioeconomic classes. Um, what I wrote here is the rain, it causes only a minor inconvenience. Um, for the rich and their camping trip is rained out. This is actually after, um, actually, no, no, no. Yeah. So, yeah. So their camping trip was rained out, but then they go and like to make their birthday party, um, because it was rained out. So it causes a minor inconvenience for the rich, like the camping trip, it's no more, but the poor of their entire livelihood threatened, 
uh, their homes are flooded and they're forced to sleep in a gym. So extreme uh, disconnect there due to economic disparity. The, the, the rich mother cannot uh, empathize or even sympathize for that matter with, with the poor father. Um, also, uh, the rich parents, how they incorrectly theorize about the event in the Benz. So in the Benz, Jessica, she placed the trap. She left her panties actually behind, um, to make it look like the, uh, the driver was, was guilty, obviously, of having sex with Jessica and they got to fire her or fire him. Sorry. Um, so to that, to the rich parents, they thought actually the panties must mean Jessica's on drugs because they're like, why would you not <laughs> put your panties back on? Like, why would you leave that behind? Is she on drugs? And they were like, oh, is she on meth, cocaine or whatever? Um, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something about that. So rather than asking to find the answer, they're so disconnected that they feel they're better off coming to their own conclusions. Um, they even use Jessica's supposed drug use as a turn-on during sex while they're on the couch right above them uh, in the same scene where they're on the couch and they're under the table. The poor family's under the table. And they don't actually take the time to figure out what actually happened in the bends. So, again, there's this disconnect here. And whether or not they should have taken any time to figure out what happened, there's still a disconnect there. They make their own assumptions. They theorize about the events on their own. They come to their own conclusions. They fire people at their own will. They don't ask anybody. There's some kind of a disconnect there due to their high status. Um, we also see the disposability and the lack of empathy for employees of a lower status. So, for instance, the rich father can't even tell the driver himself that he smells bad, but he can go on and on about it to his wife. So this is where, um, where the poor father was underneath the table. He was hearing the rich father go on and on about it while they were on the couch saying, Oh, this is how he crosses the line. But he couldn't just, he didn't have the decency to even tell uh, the guy who actually smelled bad that, hey man, <laughs> or, or do anything about that. So he's just such, he's just a disposable employee. So it was almost like the poor father was so hurt by that. And uh, he kind of like covered his eyes, like with his arm, like all he was under there, just kind of almost realizing like how he's almost disposable in a way he's, he's not cared for. He's just talked poorly about he's he's um he's joked about between between the rich family but they never would tell him he's just a disposable employee so that caused him a lot of pain um the rich mother also gives so many directions to the poor mother she goes on while they were about to go on their camping trip she goes uh this is how you walk the dogs this is how you feed the dogs there's so much to give them this is who needs uh whatever food uh she tells her to cook the ram don immediately if you cook it now it'll be perfectly ready by the time we get there about eight minutes away <laughs> she tells the poor mother to roll at the tables at the at dawson's birthday party she has her do nearly everything for her. So it's just this lack of empathy for uh, employees of a lower status because they're up, they're up here. Why should we care about uh, about the feelings of of the uh, of our housekeeper, of our housekeeper or who we employ? Because they're just disposable. Um, uh, she also, the rich mother also goes and she drops the, all the groceries into the arms of the driver without any empathy of how heavy it's getting. You can see he's holding the groceries. She's like plopping these things and she's on her phone. Oh, the party's going to be so great. Meanwhile, the guy, like the, dr the driver, who's not even really meant for, he's not supposed to be carrying these groceries and doing all these things or whatever. And she's dropping him in. It's getting heavy. You can hardly carry it. Not to mention this is right after the night where 
he didn't get any sleep, they were at the gym, their livelihood was threatened, as I mentioned, so just this lack of empathy there, uh, due to this uh, disparity in economic standing. Um, yeah, so, uh, oh, and not only not only just for carrying the groceries, the, the driver, the driver is also used to play the Native American at the party, um, and just used for all sorts of things that is even supposed to be used for that purpose. So <laughs> these employees are, they're just disposable to the rich family. They mean nothing and kind of just how they're just firing people at will. It's the same, same thing with the, uh, with the poor driver. Like he's, he's got this native American headdress on the dad's saying, okay, just go here. We're paying you extra today. Like, just do this. It's like, they're just completely using these people. Um, so like the poor family in the movie, the rich family are also parasitic and show no care for who they leech off of. So what I I did like about this movie, I don't know if I've already mentioned this, but it, it's that it's not a, a movie trying to, uh, I can't remember the name, the, what the word is for like, it's not preachy, I guess, I guess you could say, but uh, it's not telling you right or wrong or don't be rich because you're bad or poor people they're bad it's nothing about that it's just more of a social commentary both sides are parasitic uh so the rich are so parasitic to the poor using them in every way for the groceries the play the native american at the party roll out those tables chop 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 but the poor family are also the biggest parasites in the movie too they're literally leeching off of everything the rich family is providing in every way throughout the entire movie and that's very interesting there um there's some kind of a disconnect, um, like parasitism is like the ultimate disconnect between, uh, between socioeconomic standings almost, so that's very interesting, um, the rich mother kind of already mentioned, like, just this disposability, um, and the lack of empathy for employees of a lower status, how she kind of goes and says, uh, I'll make up some excuse to dismiss her, simply and quietly, this is about the, the housekeeper she's about to dismiss, and she tells her husband, don't worry, I'll, I'll make some excuse, or I don't know if she's telling her husband or telling someone else, but uh, I'll make up some excuse, it's whatever, like she's, I don't need to tell her why, so just this disposability, uh, lack of empathy for employees um, of a lower status, I think that really demonstrated this, um, how uh, when you get to that high standing, or just economic disparity in general, how it creates this, you're almost um, apathetic or uh you're apathetic to and, and ignorant um, towards other socioeconomic classes and the issues that they face. Um, another quote, which I found very interesting, was um, the, the rich mother said, when again, while they were on the couch, it was a really key <laughs> moment in the movie, I guess it's where she says, uh, it's been forever since I rode the subway. People who ride the subway have a special smell. So here the rich mother makes this sweeping generalization uh, and shows a prejudice, prejudicial and highly stereotyped attitude towards the poor. Um, yeah, just a completely sweeping generalization of how uh, all all people who ride the subway they have a special smell. Um, it's been for, like it's been so long sh since she's wrote it. She can't put herself in that same mindset of uh, of what they are kind of like. So there's that disconnect again. There, um, we also see a disconnect kind of between members of the poor. Um, namely the uh, the disconnect between the housekeeper and the poor mother so the housekeeper um this is the key scene in the movie where they are in the cellar and the the new housekeeper the poor mother she finds 
finds out that she's been stealing, the old housekeeper's been stealing from the rich family, has been uh, using, has been ultimately uh, parasitic to the rich family and is, is taking food, giving it to her husband down there. So the housekeeper actually tells her, she doesn't want her to obviously call the police, so she says, as fellow members of the needy, please don't call the police. And the poor mother says, I'm not needy. So <laughs> it's almost like as soon as the poor mother gets into the company of the rich, she's come so far from the semi-basement all the way. Now she's working in the rich household as the new housekeeper. She tells the old housekeeper, I'm not needy, although she is. Um, but she forgets that. And she now is disconnected with people of lower standing, um, or at least who she feels are of lower standing, even though it's not the case. But there's some kind of a disconnect there as soon as you get to a higher level. Um, the poor mother, kind of as I just mentioned, uh, feels that she's increased in class and she should not be likened to the needy housekeeper. Um, the poor mother looks down on the housekeeper and the basement man for using loan sharks when their cake shop went bust. But she feels, um, or sorry, because she feels as if she is now of higher status. Um, and she now forgets that her own family situation was just like that of the housekeepers at, at one point. And they too had businesses that failed. But here we see the demeaning of those of lower social classes. So she's now in the company of the wealthy. And she looks down upon the, the poor mother, or not the poor mother, the old housekeeper, um, when her businesses, when she mentions that her businesses kind of uh, went bust and they failed. But earlier in the movie, her, the poor family was just talking about how their businesses failed too. But <laughs> as soon as she gets to a higher standing, she lacks empathy for those that actually went through the same thing as her. So it's almost like kind of like the rich mother like she rode the subway at one point too but now that it's been forever she can't empathize or sympathize with those people um the biggest thing though in that scene when they're in the cellar in the in the frantic scene was she says don't call me sis to the old housekeeper um even though they they are in fact still in the same class and uh it's so ironic because once Kevin falls down the stairs, um, and and the and the poor family's exposed to the old housekeeper, and she looks at them and she's, you, she doesn't say this, but it's pretty much like you are my sis. So and actually the the irony comes when the the poor mother she says sis please don't send the video or whatever, but now it's the housekeeper who says don't call me sis. So it's <laughs> when you when people think they're of like higher class, it's like it's almost like this snobbiness they get is like don't call me sis i'm not your sister i'm not in the same class as you but once it's revealed that she is then now she's the one calling her sis pleading for mercy begging um <laughs> begging that she doesn't send the text so I, th I found that very ironic and uh very interesting to kind of show this uh the same disconnect that i was mentioning due to economic disparity um and this lack of understanding that gets created um, as soon as you reach a higher status. And uh, actually, another interesting uh, scene in the movie where the the rich family gets back from the failed camping trip and the poor mother, she actually kicks the housekeeper back down the stairs to the basement so as not to be seen by the rich mother. Um, so metaphorically, it's almost like she's kicking the housekeeper back down to the lower class just to keep up her appearance as a member of a higher class in the rich household. So, um, 
Yeah, I just found that very interesting. Like, you'll do whatever. You'll step on your own sis, who's actually in the same class as you. You'll actually kick her back down just to maintain your uh, kind of your appearance as, as a member of the higher class. Very, very interesting. Complete lack of empathy. Um, as soon as you you gain in socioeconomic standing. Standing. Um, then another theme I found in the movie was the hypocritical nature of deception. So um, while the poor families, I, I believe they're sitting maybe at the pizza shop. It's somewhere a bit earlier in the movie when they're starting to realize that they are starting to uh, deceive this rich family pretty easily. And they're having success and they've infiltrated the home. I think everyone's in there. The driver is the poor father. He's now serving as the driver. So they've, very, they've infiltrated the home very well. And uh, <laughs> the poor father, he says, this family is so gullible, the madam especially, so naive. So it, I thought this was kind of like very hypocritical because the poor family, they're only deceiving themselves, thinking that they're getting ahead in life. You know, in reality, they're actually ruining their own life. So it's almost like when you think you're deceiving somebody else, it's very hypocritical because you're actually deceiving because you are sacrificing your own character. And it's not actually putting you ahead in any way. But it's very hypocritical to think, oh, they're so naive. They're, they're so gullible. But maybe you're the one who's naive and gullible for thinking that all this deception is going to work. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, the rich mother, she actually... She engaged in some deception in the movie, and at a certain point, um, when she, when she's not going to tell Jessica that she found the panties in the car, and she's not going to tell, um, she doesn't want to reveal that she wants to deceive her, and she's going to just let go of the driver without saying anything, the old driver. She says, oh, Jessica, you're so young and innocent. You have a lot to learn about people. So she kind of puts her arm around there. And it's very interesting because the rich mother seeks to deceive Jessica uh, into thinking she doesn't know what happened between Jessica and the driver. But she's completely unaware that she's actually the one who's being deceived. So she thinks Jessica is so naive, lots to learn about people. But maybe she has a lot to learn about people. Maybe she's naive because she thinks, it's the, uh, I can just deceive people and that's going to be the easy way out and not tell them and not speak what's on my mind. But in the meantime, Jessica... She didn't really go to art school in Illinois or whatever. She's not really, uh, <laughs> she's just saying all this schizophrenia zone, uh, all this painting, this painting sense, whatever. She's not really that. So maybe you're being deceived too. And you got to kind of watch out when you think you're deceiving someone else. Maybe, maybe it's you who's being deceived. Um, similarly, the rich father, while he's in the back of the, um, he's in the back of the bends being driven by the, the poor father and uh he the poor father gives him the card for the care which is obviously what their family invented as their housekeeping service so they can finish their infiltration of the rich home and uh he says he gives him the card and the rich father says thanks to you i can play the good husband so the rich father yeah, he basically wants to pretend to his wife that he found out uh, about the housekeeping company by himself, but little does he know that he's the one who's being deceived, that this is even a real house care uh, company. So when he's kind of seeking to deceive his wife into saying, I found out about this great company or whatever, I can play the good husband. He's actually being deceived. This is not a great company. And uh, <laughs> you think you're deceiving your wife, but you're actually being deceived into buying into this company. Um, 
Another theme in the movie I found was the the mistaken idealization of wealth and status. So we look at the wealth stone as a, a great symbol of this because um, the wealth stone was given to Kevin by Min, his friend who is in college and is, is going off. And uh, he says, here, this is going to bring wealth to you or whatever. I don't remember the exact quote, but it's something... That it's going to bring wealth. Uh, so that's why I called it the wealth stone. So uh, Kevin believed that riches... Um, uh, sorry, what did I put here? Kevin believed that the riches that could be obtained from the wealth stone would mend his family's issues. In the end, that same wealth stone nearly brought death upon Kevin. So this wealth stone that you think is going to mend all the issues, and you're idealizing uh, what's going to happen when you become wealthy and you reach a higher status... It almost brought death to you. It, it, he, the poor uh, basement man used it to smash uh, Kevin's head, nearly killed him. The same wealth stone that's supposed to bring uh, <laughs> such such great things and great blessings, you know. Um, to idealize that is maybe a mistake. Uh, Bong Jun has Bong Jun Ho is saying. Um, while and also while trying to give the wealth stone to the basement man. Uh, while Kevin was trying to give it to the basement man, it actually fell down the stairs and caused trouble before it could even be passed off to bring the basement man any good fortune. So Kevin was actually trying to pass that off to the basement man uh, once he got out, but it fell down the stairs and Kevin tried to go recover it. And that's when Kevin got trapped and almost got killed because he's trying to pass off this wealth stone to bring you some kind of blessing. And it only caused trouble, and it almost got, uh, kind of, as I mentioned, Kevin killed. Um, next, we see it on the side of the rich family, where the rich mother says, uh, she says, Min, the, the college boy who left, Kevin's friend, Min is such a brilliant human being. I don't even care about the grades. So Da Hai, her daughter, her grades were very poor. But because it was Min, who is this college boy, and he has a high status, she idealizes that, and she... Um, she shows a bias, a positive bias towards Min. Uh, just because he's this college boy, he has higher status, she doesn't even care about the grades. He's a brilliant human being. It doesn't matter about anything else. His status, she shows a positive bias towards him. Um, yeah, uh, what else do I put here? Yep, so also you can tell from the card they're high class. In the same scene where he's getting the the card for the care, the rich father shows a positive bias towards this card because it looks so, so fancy. It looks like it comes from high status. You can tell from this card they're high class. In reality, the care is the worst service you could have chosen, <laughs> quite obviously. Um, but the expensive look of the card made him idealize the service, showing his idealization of things that appear to be associated with high status. Again, we see this mistaken idealization of wealth and status. Um, while they are, while the poor family is uh, are sharing drinks around the table and enjoying uh, the wealth they have they gained and the status they've gained from infiltrating the rich home. The poor mother says, if I had all this money, I'd be nice too. It all gets ironed out. Money is an iron, all smoothed out. Um, in reality, this is not true. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the, there may be more worry with wealth and status. Like, the rich wife was arguably the most anxious person in the whole movie. So to think that it all gets ironed out, oh my gosh, uh, I'd be nice too. It, if it, everything gets smoothed out. That's not true. You're mistakenly idealization idealizing what will happen when you reach 
excuse me, a higher status. So we see that there with uh, with the poor mother, and both the poor and the rich seem to mistakenly idealize this higher status. Um, and show this kind of this underlying positive bias for whatever uh, looks like it comes from high status, whether it's the card for the care, or looks like it comes from, uh, you can tell from the card they're high class, or Min, he's a higher status, he's a college boy. He's a brilliant human being. I don't even care about the grades. Um, the last thing I have here, too, is the rich mother says, uh, they say a ghost in the house brings wealth. So um, this is when she's she's almost rationalizing uh, uh, Da Sun's um, seeing the ghost. Just because it brings wealth, it's all good. Uh, it, a ghost in the house brings wealth, it's okay. So she's talking to Jessica about Da Sun's incident where he saw the ghost. Um, so what I wrote here is she rationalizes and accepts the ghost since it's said to bring wealth. In reality, that wealth-bringing ghost only brought death. Um, like Kevin Stone, these supposed wealth-bringers bring only chaos and destruction and are great examples uh, of the mistaken idealization of wealth and status. So it, I just find it so funny that on both sides, both the rich and the poor, they idealize this things that are associated with wealth, but it's only causing destruction. So that's why uh, it is kind of like a mistaken idealization, um, the, the theme that I'm seeing there. Um, the next theme I'm seeing is the frivolous nature of plans. The best plan is no plan. And that obviously is said by the uh, the poor father while they're in the gym. And Kevin is saying all this stuff about plans. And they had the, obviously they had their big plan of infiltrating the home. And look where that got them. It got their um, livelihood threatened. Their house is ruined. Everything's gone. So he just says the best plan is no plan. So um, what happens... This a great quote uh, to represent this theme is uh, where the poor father they're sharing they're sharing a meal back in their home and uh, they th he thinks they've made it he thinks uh, they finally infiltrated the home everything's all good it's all going well so he says thanks to him he's talking about men he says thanks thanks to him we're all not again so what happens here is he's getting, he's about to say oh thanks to men everything's all good we're all good. Next thing you know, the drunk guy starts peeing beside their home again, just like he was at the start of the movie. So they think that they're way up here, but they're still in the semi-basement. The drunk guy's still peeing outside. And uh, your plan of uh, <laughs> of reaching this, uh, this high status and this high standing and being parasitic to the rich, it's... Maybe it's not it's not actually working out because you're not all good. Thanks to Min, everything's not okay. He's <laughs> the guy's peeing just like he was at the start of the movie outside your home. So uh, what I wrote here is the poor family is thinking everything is roses until the drunk man peeing beside their home reminds them that they are still in the same place as they were when they started their plan. And I also said it's good foreshadowing here. Uh, to the key point in the movie when they're admiring how far they've come while drinking in the rich home until the family comes back and throws another wrench in their plan. So while they were all drinking and Jessica, <laughs> she was in the bathtub, she's watching the TV and they their plan is all coming to fruition, right? And uh, But that's not the case. And some of the quotes I have demonstrating this uh, during this scene was um, Kevin is saying, uh, this will be your daughter-in-law's house. She's, he's telling to his parents. Or, we'll get an actor to play my parents eventually when the plan keeps going the way we want it to. And uh, Kevin's, I can't remember who he's talking to, but he's saying, if we lived here, which room would you want? So they're planning all sorts of these things, but it's just not coming to fruition. Very, the frivolous nature of plans, uh, very clear in those quotes. And then, uh, actually earlier, um, Jessica says, uh, or it might have been Kevin, but it, 
they say, uh, this wasn't part of the plan. So this is when uh, the housekeeper comes back as they share drinks in the rich family's living room. Yes, it was Jessica. Um, where in the, the, the uh, monitor, the camera for outside, they see the housekeeper with her face right up to the, the monitor. And she says, this wasn't part of the plan. So the plan is it's going to ruin again. And then uh, Kevin's father, obviously, as I mentioned, he says, uh, you think all these people plan to sleep in a gym tonight? Obviously not. So um, we clearly see that there. I also have near the end, of, actually right at the end of the movie, where Kevin says, all you'll have to do is walk up the stairs to in the letter to his father. Um, that's not true. Um, this fundamental plan that'll go to <clears throat> university, become rich, then everything will be okay. It also demonstrates not only the frivolous nature of plans, but also a mistaken idealization of wealth. So he thinks that as soon as he becomes wealthy, um, he gets into university, he's going to get a good job, he's going to buy back the house. All these things are going to come together. This plan is going to perfectly play out, and his dad will just have to walk right up the stairs. Um, obviously, by the last scene in the movie, we know this is probably not going to come true for Kevin. Well, almost definitely not going to come true. He's holding the letter. He has his brain injury. Um, uh, his dad is he's stuck in there, and there's no, there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to do all these things. And I think it's a very somber ending, and it almost kind of is hinting that he's he's not going to be able to do it. And it is all just a plan, because the movie did not end when he's hugging his father, and the father did walk up the stairs. It ended when he had the letter in his hands. This big fundamental plan that he's going to do all these things, and um, it's not going to come true. Uh, plans were not only frivolous uh, for the poor family, they were also frivolous for the rich, too. So, uh, for instance, their camping trip, it got rained out, and their extravagant birthday plan, we all know how that went, um, it was completely destroyed. So... Uh, <laughs> on both sides, this frivolous nature of plans becomes just so evident. Um, another thing I, I, I noticed in the movie was almost like the corruption of character in the pursuit of wealth. Um, so Kevin, one very interesting quote about this was, um, so at the start of the movie, Min, uh, Kevin's friend, was saying, uh, once she officially enters university, once she enters university, I'll officially ask her out. He's talking about the girl kind of had a crush on uh, Da Hai. Um, the rich family's daughter. Now, later in the movie, Kevin actually says that exact same thing to his family while they're sharing drinks uh, in the rich family's home. He says, when he's talking about all these plans to get married and it'll be your uh, daughter-in-law or whatever, and he says, he says the same thing that Min said. He says, when she enters university, I'll officially ask her out. So as he gains a higher status, his, his internal, his character almost gets corrupted in a sense. And, uh, yeah, so I, what I wrote is after Kevin got into the company of the rich, he actually changed to become just like the rich college boys um, and Min, and took Min's girl. So uh, the reason Min didn't want a tutor to be one of those rich college boys was because he knew they were going to do this, what Kevin actually did. He didn't think Kevin would ever do that because Kevin's character was not like that. But as he kind of... Uh, gained in status and gained a little bit of wealth his character slightly was corrupted and he became just like Min didn't want him to be and he he says the same thing Min said and he says uh, when she enters university I'll officially ask her out so that was very interesting um, 
the real estate sharks um, that the poor father mentions at the end of the movie when he's living in the basement and the new family's there. The real estate sharks, they hoodwinked the German family who had just arrived in South Korea. So whatever it takes to make the sale, they won't even tell them about anything that happened in there. And we don't know what the their character was like prior to making that sale or whatever, but uh, we do know that there's some kind of... Uh, deviousness or corruption associated with with wealth and when they know they can make the sale they won't even say a word they'll deceive whoever or whatever it takes um do whatever it takes just to to obtain that wealth they obviously deceived the german family who now lives in the home um now another thing i i saw was that uh that bong joon ho did uh, was through da sun the rich boy and um he was the only one who could bridge the gap, in a sense, between the rich and the poor. And uh, it's almost as if he had not yet been jaded from a life of riches, and he could still connect with the poor in some way. So we see that when he saw the basement man, or the ghost that they thought, um, but who others, through the rich, the, his family, through their lack of connection with other social classes, they could only write him off as a ghost. Um, so almost as if after experiencing this, this entire life of riches and wealth and status, any connection with the poor is so far-fetched, it's, it, it's lost. And it's, all, it's more like communicating in Morse code. Like, whereas Dasan knew it was Morse code, he, he saw the ghost, the ghost, he saw the man, he could connect with that. It's almost as if he had fully been indoctrinated with a life of riches. So he could actually connect with the poor through his innocence, but the rich family there was a complete disconnect there almost i don't know if it's corruption it may, it may actually be more akin to the first theme of the economic disparity leading to this um this distance and this uh uh disconnect between the rich and the poor but they can no longer connect with the poor in any way it's like it's morse code they can't understand it they can't understand the flashing light but da or da son he can fully connect with it he's still a young kid he's still innocent from that life of riches almost um now, I also said uh, Dasan's innocence allowed him to openly state that the poor family smelled a certain way. If you can remember in the movie where <laughs> he actually goes around grabbing their clothes, he grabs the father's clothes and the mother's clothes, and he says, they smell the same, they all smell the same. Um, but all his family can do is make fun of them without actually telling them directly. So this kind of gets across that same... Uh, the same idea that the corruption of character on the pursuit of wealth leads to this ignorance and a disconnect with other, so other social classes. So uh, Das son can kind of fully connect with them and he can be open and he can say they smell the same and he can perceive that they all smell the same and he can connect with that lower social class. But the rich, no connection at all. And anything they do perceive, they can only share between themselves. They can't uh, tell the family or tell them they're crossing the line with their smell. They're, they're just some disposable employees. But Dasan's innocence, through his innocence and not being jaded from a life of riches, he, not that he's pure, but he is able to connect with the other social classes in a way that the rich cannot. Um, now, some other notes I had that uh, may not have completely fit into some of the themes I've already mentioned is just, <laughs> it's not, this is not really to be taken as a theme, but almost just like the general ignorance of the wealthy, um, what I saw was some cultural appropriation of the Native American face paint and headdress at the uh, at Dasan's birthday party. They've got all the uh, headdress. They've got the tents or or the teepees or whatever they are, and uh, they're completely. It's pure, pure cultural appropriation. Um, and what's so ironic is that this ignorance 
leads to the bloody face of the basement man. Obviously, he had real blood on his face from banging his head against uh, <laughs> against the button every day um, and banging it so hard. It blends in now to the, with the people in the party because it's just like the war paint that the rich painted their faces with for fun. So when the basement man comes in with his bloody face, he's just like part of the party because their their cultural appropriation, excuse me, um, he just looks like just one of them. So I thought that was just very ironic. I don't know how that uh, fully snaps into any of the themes, but if you guys have any ideas, uh, let me know. Um, not to mention the fact that, uh, actually another great quote was um, the rich mother when she's telling the housekeeper what to do. Again, this kind of lack of empathy and telling everything, uh, telling the poor to do everything for you or whatever. She said, curve the tables outward in a crane's wing formation, like Admiral Yi used, you know, the Battle of Hansan Island. Think of the tent as the Japanese warship. So the Battle of Hansan Island, uh, it was a military battle in the 1500s in which South Korea defeated Japan. So obviously it makes kind of makes sense that she'd be wanting to She'd wanting to be celebrating this, but or uh, commemorating this with uh, with the formation of the tables. But it's almost here like there's some ignorance shown because war is referred to merely for the purpose of her son's party, rather than to pay respect in any way, uh, or or to the tragedy that happened. And she's really making light of this this tragedy, this uh, this war, and she's using it just for the party. So it's almost like an ignorance is there. I don't I don't know what this is, but I definitely noticed that. I don't know if it uh, perfectly snaps into any of the themes. Uh, Bong Joon-ho was trying to get across, but that's just something I noticed. And uh, another thing I saw was that um, the rich mother is uh, oblivious, uh, kind of going along with this general ignorance of the wealthy. The rich mother is clearly so oblivious uh, to deception throughout the whole movie. Obviously, uh, she thinks the housekeeper must have tuberculosis, and the driver must have had sex with Jessica, Dasan's paintings must reflect some type of schizophrenia. So it, it goes on and on, and that was kind of um, very surface-level stuff that uh, we see how how uh, almost kind of this general ignorance and how she's so oblivious to, <laughs> to deception, and uh, I found that very interesting. Um also, I only was able to find one uh, point that kind of represented some jealousy for those of high social status. And this is when um, the pizza worker at the start of the movie, she's kind of looking down on the poor family and demeaning them because they're not folding their boxes correctly. She says, oh, I can't even use this. Uh, this is not good. You got to fold it this way or whatever. And she was looking down on them at the start of the movie because quite literally they are below her they're in a semi-basement and they got to come up just to talk to her but when she sees the poor family with more money and nicer clothes and they're actually eating inside the pizza restaurant now she shoves the pizza on the table in annoyance with the family who she could once only look down upon so it was very um very quick thing and i i think it was the the same girl at the start of the movie and she kind of just throws the pizza on the table because she's like she's almost jealous that they've kind of reached a higher standing now and she's she doesn't really know why she can no longer look down on them and then what I did also notice was just this kind of underlying motif of, of economic disparity and not represented through quotes, but uh, even through the disparity in height between the homes of the rich and the poor. You got Kevin had to walk way up, um, kind of way into the... Uh, way into the uh <laughs> into the mountains almost just to get to the rich home and he's kind of looking back like 
man, this is high. And then they're living halfway underground with, and through a blurry window at that. They can't even really see what's happening outside. And what a contrast this is compared to when they're in the company of the rich and they can look out and they, they see nature so clearly through the huge glass windows. So I thought that was very interesting um, to show this economic disparity. Um, yeah, so look at the contrast between this and when his family shares drinks in the rich family's lo living room with a crystal clear view of nature. And uh, also the poor family under the table versus uh, versus the rich on the couch. Um, and then also the poor in the basement, the parasite, the poor basement man, and the rich on the higher levels. Low and high, uh, low social status, high social status, economic disparity. This motif just was so prevalent in the movie. And um, just kind of closing out to just... Uh, the key event and really the turning point in the movie was um, was obviously when they were sharing drinks and enjoying um, what their deception had earned them for a quick moment. But what I wrote here is that the only time in the movie the, f the poor family felt satisfied from being deceitful in the pursuit of wealth was perhaps the most fleeting time of their lives. In no time, the storm came, literally and metaphorically completely contrasting their experience in their made-up world of luxury. The sewage they were putting into the world was literally spewed back at them, and their life actually became worse than it was in the first place. So that point in the movie just kind of tied it all in, and I think this represented four, like pretty much all of the themes that I had picked out in the movie, and this was corruption of character and the pursuit of wealth. So, um, they had to deceive and even murder on their journey to this high socioeconomic status that got them uh, to, <laughs> to be enjoying TV while in the bath and with their smart water or whatever type of water they had and enjoying drinks and joking around. And it took so much uh, deception and their character you know, internally was almost corrupted in this journey to wealth. Um, it also showed the mistaken idealization of wealth and status. Um, as I mentioned, clearly, they were worse off after becoming more wealthy because they get back to their home and they don't really have a home anymore. They're sleeping in a gym. Um, their home is ruined. Um, so them thinking that wealth and status is going to smooth it all out, money is an iron, that wasn't true either. Um, that was clearly shown in this, the, the turning point in the movie. And what was also interesting was that that point in the movie is actually right in the middle of uh, the movie as well. This point in the movie also shows the frivolous nature of plans. So their plan to infiltrate the rich home and to live parasitically off them was completely ruined. And finally, it shows the hypocritical nature of deception. So at the climax of their deceitful plans, with their entire family having infiltrated the rich home, they deceived themselves, thinking the most by dreaming of all the ways or sorry, yeah, they deceive themselves the most by dreaming of all the ways their new life would benefit them. So their deception, uh, thinking that, oh, they're so naive and we've deceived them, they were only being deceived and their plan was actually being ruined and they, uh, their life was being ruined while they thought they were just going to uh, leech off the rich family. So, yeah, guys, this, this movie was just, uh, it just opened... Uh, up so many avenues of thought for me into a lot of the themes and uh i hope it did for you guys as well because this was uh it really was a masterpiece and it really did deserve all of the <laughs> basically killed up the uh the sag awards the academy awards uh, golden globes 
this movie really deserved it. So if you haven't already watched it, go watch it. <laughs> and I can't remember now if I said spoiler alert. But I guess it's too late now. But maybe I'll put it in the description or something. But uh, yeah, guys, what did you think about this? Let me know. Comment uh, comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you're listening or watching this. And um, what I also think is... What we should do, guys, is for the to grow this thing, like to share this, try, like if you can, see if you can share it with two people. So if we, if everyone shares it, like if you like it, if you don't like it, don't share it. <laughs> Just keep watching or stop watching whatever. But if you actually like it, like rate it or like it or whatever, rate it on, uh, on iTunes, that helps a lot. But I think what will be kind of unique is if we share it if you share it with two people and you tell people, tell your, tell your friends that you like it or just like send them the link or whatever. And that will actually allow us to grow exponentially and to have more, like a lot more discussion. So if you're liking it, yeah, maybe show your love that way. So, um, but you can do whatever you want. You can just watch it in peace. You don't need to do anything, but, uh, I think that would be really cool if we could, if we, everyone shared it with two people to, to grow it like that. So, but it's a long, I'm in this for the long ride, so, you know, for the long run, but, uh, yeah, it's like Kendrick said, I'm gonna be here for a while, buckle up, enjoy the ride, um, or buckle up for the ride, because I'm gonna be doing this for a while, because I've got a lot of different ideas about different things, uh, movies, whatever, just spark some ideas, I'm, I wanna share it, and as I mentioned in the first episode, it's not just gonna be me. It's going to be um, stuff coming from you guys as well. I want to use the feedback to create episodes. I want to make a discussion. I'm thinking of maybe doing like a live episode where we can like comment and like um, and share ideas like during the episode or whatever. But it's like an open dialogue for ideas, guys. Share your ideas with me. Um, share it with two people if you want to. And uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. But oh, yeah. So next episode... I don't even know. Let's just, uh, we'll see. How about that? So thank you guys so much for watching. And uh, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, this is, this is fun. I'm really loving this so far. And I hope you guys enjoyed the analysis. So I'll see you guys in the next episode.